Welcome back to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Scott Law. And I'm Terry Law. Glad to be here together today. We're going to be uh, talking more about hearing the voice of God. And we wanted to kind of establish the primacy and the importance of Scripture and how that obviously relates to us hearing from God. I think, Scott, that uh, if we were to take an average, that 80% of what God says to his children comes out of the Word of God. Mm. So the point we got to make is, is the Bible what it purports to be? Is it really the Word of God? And if it is, then what kind of authority does it have in our life? Would you want to jump into Scripture? I've got a Scripture here, uh, John 10, 34 through 36, and uh, it says, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy, because I said, I am God's son? This is very important. This scripture is very important, Scott, for uh, two Two points that it makes, it calls the Word of God, the Word of God, number one. And then it calls, the, it says the Scriptures cannot be, I think your translation says, cannot be set aside. set aside. My Scripture says the Scripture cannot be broken. The idea then is that when God speaks to us in Scripture, and you know, our subject is how to hear the voice of God. So when God speaks to us, uh, he will speak to us through uh, the Word of God, and I'd like to just comment on that if I could. The Word of God and Scripture, they are both words that are used for the Bible, and it's very important that we understand uh, what they mean and what God means by it. Mm. Uh, when Jesus called the Bible the Word of God, he indicated that the truths revealed in it do not have their origin with man. In other words, this is not man's wisdom that the Bible is t- talking about, it's God's voice and God's word to man. When we come to the Bible, we come to hear, find out what God says. Although many men have been used throughout the years to write Scripture, I forget how many actual numbers of, of various men yeah. uh, were used to write the Bible, yet they all spoke with a common voice and they all spoke under the power of the Holy Spirit. The next word I'd like to talk about is the word, the Scripture. And that phrase, the Scripture, indicates a divine appointed limitation of the Bible. The phrase, the Scripture, means literally that which is written. There's a lot of things that God has said that are not in the Bible. There are a lot of prophets who spoke in the Old Testament, and uh, their words are recorded, or the Bible indicates that uh, they were regarded as anointed uh, sayings and scriptures, but uh, they are not books in the Bible. So a lot has been said down through centuries and centuries, and God has taken the important stuff and included that in what we call the scripture. So the scriptures has the idea of that which is written, and it's important to understand that. But uh, we see that the Bible, though completely true and authoritative, is also highly selective. God picks the kinds of subjects that he wants to be in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit inspired men to emphasize the things that God 
felt were important. And that's why when we look at the Bible, it is a document that comes to us directly from God. It's anointed by God, and it carries the authority of God. So uh, coming to the Bible is not a, a simple thing or an uh, you know, just a flip thing. It's something we we come to with a, a determination. It's something that we become hungry for. And that approaches so much of uh, what the Bible says and does for us. But those two phrases, if I can repeat again, the Scripture and the Word of God are the phrases that John uses here in talking about uh, what we would call the Bible. Now, let me just add this. When, when we give proper weight to the Bible's claims that the men associated with it were in every case instruments or channels and that every message, every message and revelation is his voice or his word to us. Its origin is in God himself. There remains no logical or reasonable ground for rejecting the Bible's claims to absolute authority. If God said he wrote it, then either he did or he didn't. And we've got to make up our mind. When you see the authority that Scripture brings to us, it proves itself by what it says. And, uh, you know, science has done a lot down through the years to try to refute claims of the Bible, but uh, science backs the Word, and the Word is, a, in, in a sense, a scientific document in that it, it agrees with, uh, with truth, and truth in its purest form. And may I say that if man can achieve such results as these, then only blind prejudice and that of a most unscientific character would deny the possibility of the inspiration of Scripture. And for us to come against what God says, this is my word, for us to say, no, it isn't, it's a, uh, it's a foolish action on our part. And yet some of the great <clears throat> atheistic minds of uh, generations gone by and even currently alive today have declared that there is no God and that he has not created a Bible. And, but we know, we are aware of the fact that the word of God is has been uh, uh, written, and it is there for us. Now, the most important thing to understand about the Bible is that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. There are three persons in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible declares itself to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. It indicates that there is one supreme invisible influence by which God did, in fact, control, direct, and communicate with the spirits and minds of the men by whom the Bible was written. That invisible influence is the Holy Spirit. And God's own Spirit, for example, Paul says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I think you've got the verse there. I do, Second Timothy 3.16. Yeah. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Isn't that a beautiful God phrase? God-breathed. God-breathed. Mm -hmm. When you speak, when I'm speaking and you're speaking today on this uh, podcast, right. as the words, I can't talk without breathing. I mean, I'm exhaling as I talk, 
and the words are coming out of my mouth. So breath is bringing my words into reality as, as I pronounce the words. Correct. And the Bible is saying that God's word is inbreathed, inbreathed by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And because the Holy Spirit wrote it, when you speak the word of God, I've learned over the years, if I'm preaching and the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on me, there are moments when I know what's coming out of my mouth is inspiration. I know it's anointed. I know the hand of God is on it. That's that's the picture I see when I see this phrase, inbreathed. What else did it say? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, good for doctrine. Yeah, it's good for uh, a whole lot of things. Mm. And the Bible claims that for itself, so it's important we understand that. So, but this whole idea by inspiration, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, it's inbreathed of God. Take that with you and think about it, because when God's word is spoken, and our breath comes along with the breath of the Holy Spirit, uh, you can do powerful things by speaking God's word out of your own mouth. What that word becomes out of your mouth under the anointing of God is something that just blows my mind. And when I stand on a platform and I call someone to Christ and I say, I want you to stand right where you are and come down and kneel and give your heart to the Lord at this altar, there's an authority with that that, that is, is God. It, it's, it's God talking through me, and it, it's the greatest privilege of my life. I'm humbled so often to think that when I take God's words and put them on my lips, that they have the power of God in them. The power of God is in those words coming out of our mouths. Mm. And years ago, I realized it's not the profundity or the depth of what I say or the theology that I preach. It's the word of God itself that has power. And as it comes out of my mouth, it gains and brings the power of God to people. And uh, there's another verse there in First Peter I want you to read, or Second Peter, sorry. Uh, Second Peter, Second Peter 1.20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, as we have already explained, in, in no case does the message or revelation of the Bible originate with man. And this is not about us. This is not man's word. This is God's word. And that's absolutely important. It's always with God that the word of God comes. And uh, there's another verse in, uh, in 2 Peter. Go ahead and read that, Scott. All right, the next verse. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's a nice... It's, it's almost like you're in a boat... Yeah. You know, on the river. Yeah. Remember when we went white water rafting out in, uh, where was that? Out in... Uh, was it Oregon or Idaho, Colorado? Idaho. Idaho? The yeah. Snake River. Yeah, on the Snake River. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, You yeah. went uh, white water rafting. You'd be yeah. borne along by the swift stream. <laughs> the current. And it would move you along really quickly. But this is the idea here. The, the Greek word translated moved by, men of God were moved by, means carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's a... Uh, that's a, an excellent insight into those words. So God controlled the men who wrote the Bible by the interplay of his divine spirit with the spiritual and mental faculties of man. 
This is a miracle. God can take man and man's faculties, man's mind, man's mouth, and he can say what he wants to say and have that come out of man and carry the holy anointing of God, which is what the Bible is, and the Bible has come to us in that sense. There's another scripture, uh, Scott, in Psalm. Let, let's look at that. Quick segue. You talked about how God can use man and use his voice and use his mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm also reminded that God can also use a donkey. <laughs> yeah. In scripture. We'll probably bring that up before huh? we're done. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just reminded of that briefly. Yeah. Um, I know that's a digression, but <clears throat> uh, uh, interesting nonetheless. All right. Psalms 12, 6, right? That's the next one we're talking about? Yes. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Okay, the word of God, the words of God are pure words. Pure. Like silver, tried and refined and purified seven times. Beautiful picture here. It's from the Old Testament. It's uh, taken from days gone by in the process of purifying silver in a furnace or an oven of clay. It was done in one or the other. Yeah. And uh, such clay ovens are still used for various purposes among the Arabs today. I've seen those kinds of furnaces when I was in the Middle East. But the clay furnace represents the human element. The silver represents the divine message, mm. which is to be conveyed through the human channel. The fire, which ensures the absolute purity of the silver, That is the absolute accuracy of the message, and it represents the Holy Spirit. So the phrase seven times cleansed indicates, as the number of seven does in many passages of the Bible, it's the absolute perfection. That's what the number seven means in the Bible, the absolute perfection of the Holy Spirit's work. And the Bible speaks of a sevenfold Holy Spirit. That is explained in, in, uh, in the book of Revelation. There are seven aspects in the Holy Spirit himself. All of that ties in with the Bible. So the whole picture we have here is of God cleansing his word. In the old days, they, they would heat the silver or gold to such a degree, and to such a point that all of the, the impurities would yeah. kind of bubble to the top, mm-hmm. and then they would take a, a kind of a little scoop and and take all the impurities off. The dross. Right, the dross, the good word. And it took, uh, it was done seven times so that it was so pure. Mm. And when they could look in the silver or look in the gold and see their own image, they would then know it was clear because there was no dross disturbing the image of the person who was refining uh, the clay. There's a, a very powerful picture there. Uh, let's go now to Psalm, Psalm, psalm 119.89. Psalm 119.89, the next uh, psalm is, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Just think of that, forever. The word of God is settled forever. It's not going to change. Not one jot or tittle is going to change from the word of God. It has been settled forever. And when it was written and is now written, uh, that word is settled in heaven. <laughs> Before it was canonized by the Catholic Church, it was settled in heaven. Right. And David here is emphasizing that the Bible is not a product of time, but of eternity. It's an eternal 
The word of God is eternal. It just takes your breath away forever. When I'm thinking about it, Before. your word is settled in heaven forever, O Lord. Ah, the word contains the inter- eternal mind and counsel of God formed before the beginning of time at the foundation of the world. And out of eternity, it has been projected through human channels into this world of time. But when time and the world pass away, the mind and counsel of God revealed through Scripture will still stand unmoved and unchanged. The th- same thought is expressed by Christ himself in uh, the a new verse, uh, Scott, Matthew 24. Yeah, Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So well, that makes you almost leaves you breathless. Yeah, previously, Psalms, we just said, forever your word is settled in heaven, and then heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Wow, and uh, David says again in Psalm 19. Uh, 119, 119, yeah, 160. David says, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. There we go, forever. Earth and heaven can pass away, eternal. There is a, there is a forever nature to what is being discussed here about God's makes word. you realize even as we're talking about this, I kind of feel like I'm standing on holy ground or sitting on holy ground. I'm sitting in the chair right now, mm. but we're, we're dealing with uh, something that is sacred and holy here. Christ and his apostles, like all believing Jews of their time, accepted the absolute truth and authority of all the Old Testament scriptures, including the five books of the Pentateuch, the books of the Bible that have been attacked more than any other books in the Bible are the first five books, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Mm. They are declared to have been written by Moses, but uh, of all Old Testament scriptures, they are the, the ones that have been attacked the most. But over and over, I, I'm reminded when Jesus met the devil in the wilderness and when Satan tempted him to sin, and the, the Bible says Jesus said to Satan, it is written. Three times, three temptations. The first one was about turning uh, stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written. And I can tell you folks something very important. If the devil knows the Bible as well as you, maybe better than you, and if you're going to instruct the devil, the only thing that he'll listen to with authority is the Word of God. That's why the Word of God on our lips, the Word of God spoken from our heart, has an authority that controls the enemy and what the enemy is trying to do to your life. And it is so important, therefore, that we speak up, take the Word of God, and talk about it. Let's read that verse in in Matthew chapter 5, Scott. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay, the next verse. Verse 18 says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. The old English there is uh, the phrase, and I've memorized this down through the years, is every jot and tittle shall come to pass. And the, the word jot is the English form 
of the name of the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, roughly uh, corresponding to the size and shape of an inverted comma in modern English script. The word tittle indicates a little curl or horn smaller in size than a comma that is added at the corner of certain letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And it distinguishes them from other letters that are very similar. So what Jesus is saying is that not one jot, not one little comma, not one little... Not even the grammar involved. Even grammar, right. (laughs) Exactly. It's all going to come to pass. It all will be fulfilled. So uh, Christ is saying, in effect that the original text of the Hebrew Scriptures, let me say this because this is fundamental here, the original text of the Hebrew Scriptures is so accurate and authoritative that not even one portion of the script smaller in size than a comma can be altered or removed. It is scarcely possible to conceive how Christ could have used any form of speech, excuse me, which could have more thoroughly endorsed the absolute accuracy and authority of the Old Testament scriptures. He couldn't say anything more simple. A little jot and a tittle, it's all going to be fulfilled. So the the whole declaration of Jesus is that the entire word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You can take that to the bank. It's inspired. Praise God. Mm. Next scripture? Oh, yes. Matthew twenty two thirty two, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That is, <laughs> that's powerful. It really is. Mm. I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. In other words, he's saying that Abraham, Isaac, Abraham, and, Jacob. Isaac and Jacob are still alive. They're not dead. They're not dead. They were dead at the time. They were dead, been dead for a long time. But they were yet alive. But they're alive. And so in the beginning, God made uh, mankind male and female. But it also says that uh, uh, way back in Scripture that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive, just uh, like the Bible says they are. And uh, I would suggest to you where they are. They're not in hell, folks. (laughs) I believe they're in heaven with the Lord because, uh, you know— well, the Bible says when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah showed up, and uh, they appeared on the mountain with him. So uh, those spiritual beings who've passed on, uh, especially from the Old Testament, they are with the Lord. They're in heaven. Praise God. And that should uh, give all of us a sense of tremendous fulfillment concerning our own lives and our own future. Now, there's one thing, Scott, that I want to say to close off our accent here on Scripture and the foundation of Scripture for us in hearing God's voice. Number one, Scripture comes from God. So when God speaks the Scripture to us, we're listening to God. Mm. We're listening to God's voice, no question. Now, the thing that I, I want to illustrate is that the life of Jesus Christ— was totally governed by what God said in the Old Testament. All through the New Testament, the Bible uses one phrase consistently, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. 
every part of Jesus' life had already been spoken of in the Old Testament. That is the greatest proof for the authenticity of Scripture that is possible. In fact, to prove the resurrection, it was more important for Jesus to tell the disciples how his death and resurrection had completed Old Testament prophecy. Remember when he walked on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples, Scott? Oh, yeah. And he talked to talked to them out of Moses and, and mm-hmm. the various prophets and how the Son of God, the Messiah, would do this, that, and the other thing. Let me just give you an idea here as, I, as we close off this emphasis on this particular subject. But these are the various events in the life of Jesus that were prophesied in the Old Testament hundreds of years before they happened. That's why the Bible's the Word of God. It prophesies accurately hundreds of years into the future. Now, what are some of these things? Number one, his birth of a virgin, his birth at Bethlehem, his flight into Egypt, his dwelling at Nazareth, his anointing by the Holy Spirit, his ministry in Galilee, his healing of the sick, the rejection of his teaching and his miracles by the Jews, his use of parables, his betrayal by a friend, his being forsaken by his disciples, his being hated without a a cause, his being condemned with criminals, his garments being parted and divided by lot, his being offered vinegar for his thirst, his body being pierced without his bones being broken, his burial in a rich man's tomb, his rising from the dead on the third day. Every one of those things. And not just that, even more. Well, there's more. Yes. There's lots more. This yeah. is just some of the things of course. that were mentioned in the life of Jesus or that Jesus fulfilled by his life. Yeah. So, friends, when we talk about hearing the voice of God, we're going to be telling you what God's word says. And in that process, I'm going to explain to you In our sessions going forward as we talk about the Word, I'm going to discuss the importance of you reading Scripture. It is absolutely fundamental to your life as a believer. Spend time in God's Word. Uh, Get a Bible Bible reading program of some kind. There's ways to to read through the Bible in a year that provides no problem at all and doesn't take a lot of time. But uh, I do want to emphasize the importance that hearing the voice of God as we look at it, as we look at the subject itself, is the fact that 80% of what God says to you will come directly from His Word, from His Scripture. Uh, that's profound, and we're going to build on that in, uh, in the times that we come together going forward. The, the written and spoken Word of God, you will continue that and to discuss that in the days ahead. Thanks for sharing that. That was good stuff, Dad. I enjoyed it. Lots of scripture to back up the the inerrancy and the authenticity of God's written word, the Bible, scripture. Mm-hmm. It is not an exhaustive book and it's an extensive book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't cover everything, but it covers most everything that is important. Right. And uh, we are grateful for that to uh, light our path, as scripture says. 
Grace and peace on you all. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Take care. Thank you for listening today to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. We hope you enjoyed it. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Terry Law Speaks. Go to terrylawspeaks.com if you'd like to book Terry to speak at your church or special event. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many of the other major podcast platforms. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time as we continue to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who've yet to hear.